Peter turned and saw the disciple whom Jesus loved, we know that is John, following them, the one who also had leaned back against him during the supper and had said, Lord, who is it that is going to betray you? When Peter saw him, he said to Jesus, Lord, what about this man? Jesus said to him, if it is my will that he remain until I come, what is that to you? You follow me. So the saying spread among the brothers that this disciple was not to die. Yet Jesus did not say to him that he was not to die. But if it is my will that he remain until I come, what is that to you? Now, we don't know what John's motivation was for drawing near to Peter and to Jesus. We don't know if he was creeping on them or... In today's world, he might have been trying to do a photo bomb with Jesus. I mean, who wouldn't, right? Um, it could have been he's just innocent, just wanting to hang out with Jesus. And I would be wanting to do that. Maybe he just wanted to be a part of the conversation, which would be very understandable. What we do know is that Peter didn't like it. He felt like his time with the Lord was being infringed upon. Now, we know that there's this rivalry, this kind of spirit of competition between Peter and John. There's quite a history in the Gospels of that. You don't have to uh, look too deep in the Scripture to see it. It just pops out um, in terms of their relationship. In case you weren't here a couple of weeks ago, or just if you were, just a little refresher. Here's a little bit of the story between Peter and John in terms of their relationship. Now. Uh, when it comes to how Jesus looked at the two of them, we know that Jesus referred to John as John the Beloved. John writes of himself, the disciple who Jesus loved. And Peter was the wannabe beloved. But John was named by Jesus as uh, having a unique relationship, uh, John the Beloved. We also know that at the crucifixion, after Peter has denied knowing Jesus, and he's hiding out. Who's at the foot of the cross when Jesus is crucified? Well, it's John. John the Beloved is with Mary, mother of Jesus. And there's some intimate words, words of affirmation that Jesus has with John and his mother. And then we see at that first Easter Sunday, we see that there's a foot race to the empty tomb. Who wins the foot race? You guessed it. Wasn't Peter, it was John. And now we see early in John chapter 21, we see that it's John, not Peter, that identifies Jesus standing on the shore. And so through all of this, it's like John has the upper hand. And so this competition, this comparison between Peter, we don't know. John's probably fine because he's always got the inside track, it seems. But uh, Peter's got a hard time with how close, intimate the relationship is. And so right on the heels of, of Peter's intimate conversation with Jesus about loving the Lord and the commitment that he has, and there's this reconciliation. You just It doesn't say that Peter's reconciled, but the fact that he's gone from denying Jesus to being back with the Lord in his good graces, 
and it's just smacks of reconciliation. Here John comes along once again. Now, making comparisons is a very human thing. It's part, I think, of just the, the human psyche, the, the makeup of humans to compare ourselves with other people. So I, I do find solace in the fact that I'm not alone in uh, comparing myself to others, but it doesn't make it healthy or right. It's one way that we can learn if we're okay if we make comparison. If we compare favorably, then we have a feeling that we're in good shape. However, if we don't compare favorably, we might feel like we're in trouble, whether it's in a relationship or on the job or uh, in on the college campus in an in a academic setting. There's all kinds of ways this plays out, this ugly thing called comparison. Mark Twain said this, comparison is the death of joy. If you want to see your, your joy just sapped from you, just start comparing yourself with other people. Comparison leads to a warped view of how we measure ourselves. Even if it's accurate, it's not relevant. What matters is how we measure up to the design that God had in mind when he designed us, when he formed us in his, not man's, but in his image. The Latin term for this is imago Dei. It's a great term to really embrace because it simply represents the fact that we are made in the image of God. Many years ago, we took a youth choir on a tour to Southern California. Sounds pretty nice right now. Even a, a busload of teenagers sounds pretty nice right now. But the whole idea of this tour was the Imago Day tour. We wanted these young people to understand that they are made in the very image of God. And that should speak to their self-esteem, to their confidence, and in how God made them, even though all of those kids were unique from one another, just like we are unique from those around us. I think it's important that we embrace the uniqueness of our person and strive to reach our potential. Psalm 139.14 says this, I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. Again, it speaks to our self-image, how we view ourselves, and in, in the light of how God has, has created us, designed us uniquely. God is saying this, you are wonderfully designed because all, not some, not most, but all of my works are wonderful. I believe he's saying, I don't create inferior product. I don't create junk. Everything that I design is purposeful and beautiful. That we would rest in how God made us with no comparison. Several years ago, I was involved in a recording project for a church that Shelly and I were on staff at. And it was a live night of worship, live recording, and then we were going back in the studio and uh, doing fixes and 
mixes, just master all the things that happen in post-production or in production after the, the recording. And uh, I had the, uh, uh, not the, the good feeling that comes with listening to your voice on tape. And I don't know if you've ever done that. Uh, we have singers out there that listen to their recording and it doesn't sound like you'd hoped it would sound, at least for me. And I've heard this from others as well, but I was already a little bit in fear about my voice and comparing my voice with others. And uh, I was more of a, a, a keyboard guy than a vocalist and all of that. I'll spare you all my, my uh, tragic life story about that and the struggle. But uh, while I'm listening to the playback and I'm thinking, oh man, my voice doesn't sound very good. And, and meanwhile, I'm aware of a worship leader, a couple states over, he lived in Colorado. His name was Ross. And he was like the most amazing singer. He was a high tenor. And he just like, you know, effortless and beautiful tone. And I thought, man, if I could just sing like Ross, man, and, and it got to be such a cloud over me. I was just like, maybe we should just scrap this whole recording project. And one morning, uh, early in the morning, I was, I had my Bible open. I was just with the Lord and I felt strongly the Lord say to me, I want you to rest in how I made you. And then I felt him impress upon me with these words, I gave Ross unique gifts that I did not give you. And I'm like, yeah, I know. Yeah, that's very obvious. But then I felt the Lord say this, and I've given you talent, gifts that I have not given Ross. And in that moment, of course, I perked up. I thought I hadn't thought of that before. And you don't wake up in the morning thinking these things. I knew it was the Lord. And what he was simply saying is, this guy over here, uh, I have designed him with unique gifts. And I've also, that I haven't given you, but vice versa. And so I was able to rest in that. And from that day forward, it's helped me not to compare myself uh, with other people, especially when it comes to my voice. And so that's just the goodness of the Lord, because he cares so much about us and so much about how we can rest in how he has shaped us, how he has formed us. Well, you know, back to the story, Jesus is saying, concentrate on yourself. Don't be concerned about him. Follow me. Keep your eyes on me. And that's all you need to worry about. Now, in summary, these applications hold true for those in the Christ community. I'd like just to focus on three areas. First of all, external comparisons. External comparisons. This is for those inside the Anchor Church community that we would avoid comparing our church with other churches, that we would avoid comparing your pastors with other pastors, your preachers with other preachers, not to compare our worship ministry with other churches' worship ministries, websites, social media, any aspect of church life that we do not compare ourselves with others. That is taking away from what God has designed us to be as the body of Christ called Anchor Church. Also, that we would avoid internal comparisons within our Anchor family. Roles that people have, positions, the talent that people have, opportunities that 
some have. And the gifts, gifts of the spirit, spiritual gifts, as well as just other kinds of gifts. And so that we wouldn't be comparing one another inside our anchor fellowship. And then third, this broad, general, interpersonal comparisons outside the body of Christ at work. Uh, in college, in, in college campuses, uh, uh, friends that we hang out with, people in our crews, that we're not comparing ourselves just with people in general. The talent, the appearance, personalities, careers, how one person's career might be blossoming while yours might be stagnant, and you're comparing your career with them. And the Lord says, hey, I've given you this career. Trust me uh, to make the most of it. And focus on me. Follow me. Keep your eyes on me. And don't worry about the others. Yeah. Positions, possessions, physique. How many wish they were a little taller? Uh, maybe a little shorter. I don't know. A little slimmer. Yeah, I can relate. And yes, even hairstyles. Instead, let's, let's leave all that rubbish aside. It's, there's death there in our spirit. And let's commit to loving well, encouraging others, lifting others up, and being a cheerleader for others. That's where the energy can go, and that's positive energy. The other is negative. Comparison, as Mark Twain said, is the death of joy. It impedes growth in relationships. You find yourself living with the hope that someone fails, they slip a little bit, to somehow make you look better. Again, that's so ugly. It speaks of jealousy. It drains the life out of us. And I believe it grieves the very heart of our Creator God. Imagine living and existing in a community free of comparison, committed to loving purely. That's the kind of church community I want to be a part of. And I believe that's the kind of church community that those that are searching for a spiritual home, a place that their faith can grow, I believe that that's attractive when they come in and they, they sense that this is a loving, encouraging group of people, that it's not about different stratuses of life or um, comparing with one another. I'd like for us to pray right now and just commit this to the Lord. And whatever you may be bringing into from your life and your tendencies, we all have these. This is not uh, something that's just, I think, for some of us, but I think it might resonate in some way of fashion with all of us. And so I'd like for us to pray right now before we enter into our time of communion and then sharing just a little bit more, some fun stuff in, uh, that's happening in our, uh, in our body of Christ here. Let's pray together. Father, we come to you thanking you that you have made us fearfully and wonderfully. And Lord, we stand on your word that all of your works are wonderful. Everybody tuned into this tonight, everybody that will listen to the podcast, their life is wonderful and you have designed them, Lord God, in beautiful ways. Let us rest in that, we pray. Let us also rest in the life and the mission of your church at Anchor. May we be free from comparing our ministry with other ministries and 
and all that that can just be very very negative and really make us feel down because Lord God that's just not how you designed us to be you want us to reach our full potential and keep our eyes on you and follow you and Lord may all of us commit to loving well being encouragers being people that lift one another up people Lord God that uh, will reach out to one another Lord God with uh, with hearts that will truly lift their lives up to you. So, Lord, we just thank you for this and pray your blessing upon our time now as we move into a time of communion together. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I'd like to encourage you to prepare for communion now. If you haven't yet, there's some time here that you can go ahead and uh, prepare your bread and cup. We understand that you might need to be creative, and so this is a no-judgment zone, uh, of course, when it comes to exactly what your bread and cup looks like. But we want to encourage you. We will be partaking together. This is about community tonight. Sometimes we partake alone, uh, individually. Tonight, we're going to wait. We're going to hold the elements, and after we sing together and pray a little bit more, then what uh, we'll do is partake together. I just want to encourage you, as you do, to surrender in your prayer to God what we've talked about tonight. Maybe some things came to mind as I was sharing uh, this evening uh, that you've struggled with, uh, how you view yourself uh, relative to other people, and, um, or even the ministry aspect. And so I encourage you to, uh, to pray. When we have this time in our gatherings, we're not, we're not requiring you to sing. Now, it's fine to sing, but the music is really uh, not front and center. What's front and center is how are we responding to the message of the grace of God and his plan for our life in light of the gospel that's been shared. And so just encourage you to surrender comparison uh, to the Lord and to ask God to help you see yourself as he sees you, wonderfully created, designed with a purpose and plan. And before Ryan sings, I'd just like to share this encouraging verse from Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. It's all good when we keep our eyes on Jesus.